how can we deal with change and come out a winner? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome in. We're going to be taking care of business today, as usual. However, not as usual. Instead of answering a whole lot of questions, we're going to stick with one theme. I announced this a couple weeks ago because we have so many questions coming in about change. Often unwelcome, unexpected change. So we're going to just focus in on that as a theme today. Now, when I mentioned this to Joanne recently, she said, well, golly, I'd love to sit in and just talk about that, how we've handled change and how change has showed up unexpectedly in our lives. So today we've got with us Miss Joanne Miller. I always enjoy being on the podcast, and uh, we have some good conversations this way. But we've had a lot of conversations through the years on dealing with change, and we've learned a lot through the process. And at our old age now, we can look back in retrospect. Our old age yeah, now, wait well, a minute. Hey, hey we got a lot of years behind us, and with 50 years living together, we have learned to embrace change in a way that is much more healthy than what we perhaps did early on in our marriage. So hopefully we'll get to some of those ways that we have learned, all the things that we've learned and all the ways that we've changed through the years when we're talking about this particular topic. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to address just a couple questions, just as kind of examples, but we're going to talk more broadly about change that is occurring, change that we see everywhere. But we're not going to leave you hanging there just by talking about change and we throw up our hands. No, we're going to move into specific ways to deal with that. Things Joanne and I have done over the years, methods we've found that have been very helpful and practices that we follow to address change so that we come out the other side focused on a positive future rather than begrudging the fact that change showed up even in ways where we did not anticipate or expect it. Now, I'm going to use this as a quotation for today, one I used a couple of weeks ago from Steve Jobs, because it's so relevant to this and kind of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about today. And Steve Jobs said this, I didn't see it then, but it turned out that getting fired from Apple was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. The heaviness of being successful was replaced by the lightness of being a beginner again less sure about everything. It freed me to enter one of the most creative periods of my life. End quotation. Wow. What, what do you think? Is, is that, do, do you identify with, with that? Being thrilled about being released from the heaviness of success? Yeah, I do now. At this <laughs> point in my life, I love a new beginning, uh, a new slate, a new um, time to uh, fly in a different direction. I I enjoy that now. Now, did I always, you know, you and I are, have very differing personality styles. And I think you've always embraced change in a way that um, was sometimes, I thought, maybe a little impulsive and um, kind of, well, let's see, we've talked before in the past about you doing uh, being more of a ready, fire, aim kind of person, and I'm more of a ready, aim, fire, want the details. Ready, aim, I, aim, 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 aim. 
Uh, no, now come on, let's be fair about this. I am much less that way than what I used to be. But I do want to point out that I think we do handle change differently depending on our own personality styles. However, that does not need to be a crutch or a weakness that then prevents you from making decisions and dealing with change in whatever way is necessary. Well, and one of the things we'll be doing, we're going to be sharing with you a specific timeline that you and I agreed on early in our marriage for making change so that it blends your desire to gather a lot of information and my tendency toward impulsiveness, if you've stated it. So we'll share exactly the process that we use for that. So we're going to be talking about some of the things that people are dealing with. Let me just use as an example here an email that I just got from Aaron who says, and I'm writing in response to your call to share stories about an industry or job change. Here's the story I'm currently in. I work as a graphic designer in the newspaper industry. In case you or your listeners don't know what newspapers are, they are ancient forms of communication whereby the news was printed on paper and then delivered to subscribers. (laughs) I think that's pretty funny. Isn't that awesome? That's great. (laughs) Fortunately, yes, I mean in the positive, the methods of mass communication have improved to where local news can be delivered much faster, easier, and cheaper. The publishing and production power in an average mobile phone far exceeds the newsroom and studio technology I trained on in college And that was less than 20 years ago. Unfortunately, my current company did not innovate with the times and we are dying like an old man whose organs are shutting down one by one. In my short tenure, I've seen a 50% workforce reduction with managers and senior staff disappearing without explanation. My hours have been cut and I'm having to split my work week in the printing press so the company doesn't have to hire someone new. The worst part is that we have no sustainable growth plan. Instead, our only solutions are to do business as usual, attempting to gain more newspaper subscribers and sell more traditional print ads rather than explore and create new business models. Now for the positive. While I feel like I'm on the Titanic snapping in half, this disaster has perhaps been God's wake-up call for me to reflect on my own career decisions. About 10 years ago, I left a career in video production to pursue web development because I thought my career options for video production would be limited and require relocation to different markets. So I chose the safer path and found myself competing against millions of people more skilled than I. I realized a decade later that not only did I enjoy making videos more than building websites, but I was more skilled at it than anything else. So right now, I'm trying to get into a local station or media production company just to get back into video production game, following the 48 Days Formula, and so he goes on, of course, I'm struggling with a lot of doubt, feeling like it's too late, but I can't afford to give up. My family can't afford it. I'm excited and terrified at the same time, but I feel like I've got a clear path now because I'm focused, not trying to do things that I don't enjoy and I'm not good at. That's my story. Thanks for all you do. I hope my story will perhaps encourage someone else who's struggling. Now, I picked that one out because we got a lot of things that I want to cover. So I just picked that one out as an example. Isn't that graphic to think about? He's having to explain what newspapers are. When you think about our grandkids, that's almost a reality where they would not know what a daily newspaper is. We don't get a daily newspaper. Haven't for years and years. No. And in fact, 
I can remember times when I was looking for newspapers to line a birdcage with, and they aren't around anymore. I uh, had to improvise there. I love his right the bottom of the cage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, love the way he writes. Obviously, he's a good writer, uh, and and very um, golly, very poignant in way he the way he puts uh, dealing with change. One of the things I picked up on there too is his his. Um, angst in being fearful as well as being uh, excited. Yeah, yeah. Which I do think there's a lot of that that goes hand in hand. I don't want this this whole recording to sound like, well, just buck up and deal with change and it's going to happen. So you got to deal with it and yeah, change your attitude and everything's going to be all hunky-dory because there is fear in that. And there's that feeling of insecurity. And they kind of go hand in hand when you're dealing with change, but who's going to win out? And that's part of what we're going to talk about some in how we've learned how to deal with it. Speaking of recording, we were talking recently with our granddaughters around talking about cassettes. What was there? What came to mind when we talked about cassette with our grandkids? Well, they were thinking about cassette out of Les Mis, the movie. That's the only frame of reference they had for cassette. Not spelled exactly the same way or even pronounced (laughs) exactly the same way. But, oh, my gosh, I can so see that. They have no concept of what a a cassette is other than cassette out of the the movie or the the play, the story of Les Miserables. Uh, Yeah, that's – it's – you know, I was talking to somebody just yesterday. The amount of change that we've had just in the past 10 or 15 years is astounding. Much more so, I think, than many generations have ex- have experienced. There's always change. And I know that you've talked recently in one of your podcasts about Av- Alvin Toffler's book, um, Future Shock, written in 1970. And he said the same thing. We're dealing with all of this change. I'm sure you're going to want to read that and and, well, uh, and me, comment me, on it. Let me insert that. So this was 1970, which happens to be 48 years ago. Seriously? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I didn't even think of that. Yes. 48 years ago, he wrote a book called Future Shock, which was really revolutionary at the time. He predicted that, this is a quote, millions of ordinary psychologically normal people will face an abrupt collision with the future. Many of them will find it increasingly painful to keep up with the incessant demand for change that characterizes our time. Now, that was written 40 years ago when they thought change was happening so fast that people wouldn't be able to tolerate it. And then Peter Drucker, later than that, said that we were going through a 40-year period of time that has brought more change in the world has ever seen. Now, that period of time that he was describing was 1970 when Toffler wrote Future Chalk, mm-hmm. to 2010. Hmm. Now think about 2010 to now 2018. The things we've seen that have changed in terms of communication, transportation. I mean, cars that, I mean, how recently was it? I mean, you would absolutely demand to have a cassette player in your car. Well, of course, you know, part of my journey started when I got the little 33 and a third audio vinyl of Earl Nightingale titled The Strangest Secret. Which most of our children would have never even had any concept of what that looked like or sounded like 
didn't have the sound sound quality that we have today, that's for certain. Well, I just did a presentation of Podcast Movement. I actually showed that little vinyl because it's so strange to see it when we think how communication technology has changed. But the 33 and a third vinyl that I have, it was the first spoken word recording that sold a million copies. So gold status for that little recording, The Strangest Secret. But a 33 and a third vinyl that I had was not like we had for the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and Janis Joplin. You know, it's a big one. This is a small one, the same size as later became a 45, but a 45 had a bigger hole in it. But this really goes back. But that's what I got when I was a farm kid and got that audio recording. Well, then we went through vinyl, of course, went to eight tracks. You know, the other night we were cleaning out old photo boxes in our house and we ran across an eight track of family memories. I have no idea how we're going to get any content off of that. I don't know if it's even possible. I suppose it is, but we have an eight track of family memories. Hey, we live in an age when just about anything is possible. Well, that's true. Thank goodness. Well, we went from eight tracks. Of course, I'm being a car guy. I've watched the transitions in cars. Eight tracks were really cool back in the 60s and 70s. And then we went to cassettes, a much more efficient, compact way to handle it. We thought that was the, the, the big bomb. And then went to CDs. And we knew that was the ultimate in technology. Well, today, cars don't even have CD players because nobody has CDs. I mean, we talk about CDs and our kids look Hold at Hold on them. a minute. Hold on a minute. Talk for yourself. I have a huge array of CDs. Obviously, I need to get rid of them because I never listen to them, but it's hard to. It, that costs a lot of money. You got a lot of money tied up in all those CDs. DVDs, same thing. Movies, when you want to watch a movie, where do you go? Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever. Yep, Don't need digitally. anything physical anymore. It's amazing. I come into your office and I look and you have a pretty clean desk. Not so much today because we have a lot of notes in front of us, but a pretty clean desk most of the time because you don't you don't deal with paper. You don't have paper in your office to clutter things. You don't have a lot of files. I still kind of hang on to those a little bit. It's my security blanket. So we're dealing a little bit again with personality style. However, change is inevitable. I'm learning how to clean out and clean up a little bit and get everything uh, back on uh, on my computer and hope that that doesn't crash like they used to. Well, let's just kind of a finish in this one thought on how we listen to sound, just as an example of how change has occurred. And some of you listeners are old enough to have experienced some of these changes at least, but we're seeing now our generation of grandkids who you know, don't recognize what a, a CD is because everything is digitized. But I know that personally, when I get in my car, you know, I'm not looking for the cassette player, or the CD player, because with Bluetooth technology, it picks up automatically from whatever podcast I was listening to that morning from my phone. So it just automatically picks up. It's amazing me. I mean, it still amazes me. The technology is there. I can have my phone in my back pocket and I get in my car and start my car. Wow. And I start, you know, hearing Michael Hyatt or whoever it was I was listening to in the morning playing through my sound system in the car. How cool is that? Well, 
There are other changes. Let's just talk about briefly some of the changes that we've seen. I mean, certainly we've seen massive changes in the workplace in how people describe their work. When we think about the number of people who are no longer employees, and we're probably, it's showing that we're right at that tipping point where there are probably 50% of the people in the workforce today in the United States who are not employees. Now, trust me, I didn't say 50% unemployment. Unemployment has never been so low as it is right now. But people's work models don't fit into what we used to think about employee, where they go to an office from eight to five, five days a week. No, now we have consultants and independent contractors and temps, entrepreneurs, I mean, virtual assistants, electronic immigrants, teleworkers, contingency workers. I mean, those are all legitimate ways to describe work models. And the change can be intimidating if you've been in an industry like Aaron, the one that I read in a newspaper company. Wow, we know that change is happening there. You know, people don't get newspapers anymore. I mean, very rarely. So we have to look at what are the new ways that people do get information. Recently, I was saddened to have Success Magazine send out their final print copy. It was really kind of a sad day to think about that. I heard you moaning and groaning <laughs> over that. Yep, that, that was a biggie for you. Well, and then, then um, they, they came back 90 days later with another print version. The new one just came out. It's got Jeff Bezos from Amazon on the front cover. And they said they've decided to do a quarterly print version. Now we've seen magazines, magazines that we get like O Magazine or Fast Company, Inc. Some of those magazines, I mean, used to be almost like a telephone book. You get it. Not anymore. I mean, some of them are like a brochure, even Reader's Digest, because it's so difficult to get people to pay for print advertising. You know, it, it's just really, really thin. So things are changing there really rapidly. But there are a lot of other areas. When we think about how we handle banking today. Now, you once in a while go to the bank still, don't you? You like to go in and visit with people and compliment them on how nice they are. Well, I'll have to say it's getting few, uh, fewer trips to the bank even these days. Than, even for me. <laughs> I, I, I yeah, I love my bank. The bankers, are the tellers and everybody, they are so awesome. They're really sweet and helpful and all of that. But good grief, I can save myself so much time by, if I get a check from somebody, I snap a picture of it. And next thing I know, it's right there in my, in my bank account. It's so it's easy. And of course, these days, most people don't carry cash. They carry a little card in their pocket. You can do all your banking online. Yeah. I mean, having bank tellers, I mean, that's why there have been hundreds of thousands of bank tellers who have lost their jobs. I had somebody say uh, yesterday, don't you keep the receipt? And I said, well, I just go home and uh, I keep the receipt as long as, long as I've got to, the, to take the trip back home, look on my computer and see if it uh, is on my bank statement, and then I throw it away. Don't need it anymore. It's there instantaneously. It's amazing. Yeah, there's only one time that I go to the bank. And I, there's one thing that forces me to go to the bank still. And that is any check that's over five thousand dollars. I don't sure. get I don't get too many of those. Okay. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. as popular as you are. <laughs> I'm not sure why they have that stipulation. 
but they will not allow a mobile deposit, at least in my bank, if it's over $5,000. But other than that, I have zero reason to ever go to a physical bank. It's all handled online. Interestingly, these days, a lot of people don't even have to go to the grocery store. There, uh, A lot of the grocery stores now offer a service where you pay just a small fee for an entire year, and they'll deliver them right to your house. You don't have to have to walk in. You can do it all online. Wow, what a switch. Well, that's what you do. You use a service called Shipped, and you yes, have it. Yes, I do. You put it in on your phone. You don't even talk to anybody. You put it in on your phone, and about two hours later, it's sitting on our counter. It's pretty amazing. It is indeed. Although I do kind of miss talking to the people that I see along the way. When you think about um, telephones, you know, I, I grew up, again, this is this is going to date me for sure, but I grew up where we were on a party line. I was too. I remember that. I we used to really? get in trouble for talking too much to my boyfriends. Because other neighbors wanted yes, to use the line. wanted to use the line and I was tying it up. Yep. A party line. And then... Of course, after that, we still had operators where to make any call of any significance, you went through an operator who yes. would connect you. And if you've ever seen the movie Funny Farm, you recognize what those operators can be like. It was hilarious. Or the old hee-haw. Um, Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. Is this the party to whom I am speaking? There you go. <laughs> well, we don't have those people. Today, people and kids would not understand telephone operators, and thus there have been a whole lot of people there who have lost their positions. But now this is where, you know, we want to kind of say, what are the replic- the implications of this? If Eli Whitney comes along and invents the cotton gin, that puts a whole lot of cotton workers out of work. There's no question about it. So do we find those people down here sitting on the park bench, you know, on Monday morning, twiddling their thumbs? No, they were integrated into a new industrial age in factories. So they became factory workers. And the point is, at any time when we've had massive kind of change, it's rolled us into new opportunities. When we think today about some of the things that are happening, I mean, this is pretty, well, let me just just describe a couple more things in terms of new work models. If you call JetBlue and make a reservation for an airline flight. You're talking to somebody who's working from home. 100% of their reservation agents work from home. They don't go to an office anywhere. Best Buy rewards their people for working from home. AT&T saves millions of dollars every year in real estate costs by not having people come to a building that they have to heat and air condition, have water coolers and computer. No. They just let people work wherever they want to. I mean, it provides so many changes in terms of what companies, even major companies like those are able to do because change opens up new opportunities. So we're seeing that. But here's some of the things that may be a little intimidating when we talk about artificial intelligence, where it's going. And we move into things like autonomous cars. You know, we've talked about this and it's not an appealing proposition to me. I like being behind the wheel and I like hearing the roar of the engine. Even that's hard for me to handle. You know, you get in a Tesla or a Leaf and uh, there's no sound. To me, it's a joke. When I'm behind the wheel of a car, I want to hear it. 
the more the better. <laughs> <laughs> but we're ha- we're moving rapidly into the age of having driverless cars. And even not just cars, but trucks. Of course, Uber has already put in an order for 20,000 Volvos that are will be autonomous cars, driverless cars for Uber. But Tesla is very rapidly experimenting with trucks. So we're going to see 18 wheelers going down the road without a human driver. Now, strange as it may seem, that actually is proven to be safer than having a human. But the point is, what happens to truck drivers? What happens to the hundreds of thousands of truck drivers when that occurs? Well, but here we are. I mean, these things have been happening. We've talked about the rapid change in the last 18 years since Peter Drucker's 40-year period. Since 2010, the changes have just been astronomical. I mean, there are kids coming out of college today after four years of studying something where that area of study is obsolete before they graduate. So are people just being pushed out of opportunities and left with nothing to do? Our unemployment rates would say that's absolutely not true. It just is different. The opportunities are different, not less they're just different. No, I think in in actu- in truth, there are more opportunities, and and there are there's such a vast um, array of things that people can do to spend more time at home, spend more time with their families, uh, have a little more independence, and all of these new things that are cropping up allow for that. And I think that's kind of exciting. Yes, it's different, uh, but I think that. For every bit of change we've had, we've got so many more opportunities. I think it balances out in the long run. That's the old uh, Napoleon Hill kind of slogan that with every change, there's an equal seed of opportunity. Yes. Even if the change was unwanted. Hey, a couple things that are that we don't deal with a whole lot, but cryptocurrency when you think about that, I mean, we're so used to having things be the way they are. You know, sometimes when I've talked about the way that our keyboard is set up, Q-W-E-R-T-Y, the keys are set up as they are on a keyboard that we use on a current computer in order to slow down the speed at which a typist could type because they discovered that with a typewriter, somebody who was really proficient could type so fast that it would jam the keys. Remember? I remember. I've actually done that. I remember that. Well, today, that's impossible. We don't have keys. The technology is totally different. And yet we have the keyboard that was designed specifically to make it impossible to type words quickly. Now, how antiquated is that? When are we going to break that cycle and start teaching little kids on a keyboard that makes more sense? I hope not in my lifetime because I don't do not want to relearn. Oh, I think it'd be fun to relearn that. No, no, no. I think it'd be fun. Well, another area is cryptocurrency. I mean, we're used to having change in your pocket. You know, if you wanted to buy a lollipop for a grandkid, you better have, you know, a dollar in your pocket. Or if you want to get mints in the lobby of your office, you better have two quarters to put in the machine. Well, those days are gone. A lot of people don't have any kind of change in their pocket. I mean, I can go go a week with 10 bucks in my pocket and never break a $10 bill because there's no need to, to use real money. Well, it opens the door then for cryptocurrency. We do all our transactions online. We're not handling real money 
And all of a sudden, real money becomes less important. And so that's opened the door for new things like cryptocurrency. And of course, we're seeing an explosion in that area as well. Things like crowdfunding. I mean, that's a new concept. It used to be that if you wanted to promote a new product or you you invented a new product and you wanted to sell it, you had to go down to the bank to get a loan and get it manufactured and fill a warehouse, then go out and try to sell it. Well, these days you can put it up on Kickstarter or Indiegogo and crowdfund. And you may raise $100,000 where you have people just participate buying in advance a product you're going to sell. There are ways to have investors in your company, the same kind of model where you don't go through the old traditional process of getting venture capital. People can invest even small dollars, but really be technically investors in your company. Isn't that amazing? The Just the wordage, all the things that you've just been talking about, the vocabulary has changed in our world. Just think of all the new worlds, words just in the last maybe 10, 15 years that we've added to the vocabulary and are actually now in dictionaries. Words that, it's you know, it reminds me of when I was a kid watching George Jetson on, on TV. Well, there you go. <laughs> because all of those things came true. They did. Isn't that funny how yes. some of those little cartoons we thought were just entertainment, uh, the future they predicted has actually become true. Pretty amazing. And and the vocabulary, the, the words that we use these days around a dinner table are so different from just a few years ago. Yeah. You know, and the sad thing is we see some people who do resist those changes. They try to hang on to the way things were. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about personality styles, and certainly it's reflected in that. But it's inevitable. You cannot, no matter how hard you try, you cannot keep things the same. And if you're running a business doing things the same way today that you were doing a year ago, you're probably falling behind. But if you're in a job that you've had for 20 years, the same position, you may be highly vulnerable rather than thinking you're secure. You may, in fact, be highly vulnerable. Now, with the artificial intelligence, again, some of the things that are happening there just absolutely blow my mind. We're already implanting chips in the brains of people who are having strokes to, re- to replace what was damaged. Soon, we might be using these to help people with the low IQs become normal. Once that happens, will those humans identify more with machines or will they retain their humanity? I don't think I want to go there. <laughs> uh, well, machines... Okay, so I think we don't, don't need to go to the extreme in all of this. We know that change is happening. It's yeah. inevitable in so many areas. It's mind-boggling. Well, we're, we're at the point of designing a machine that is smart enough to run a company. But the question is, would it have the desire to? Ooh. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. Let's talk about some of the things that we have faced over the years, real change that we've faced. And we'll move into some of these things that we do and have practiced in order to cope with change. Let me insert something here because I think it's important to recognize that change can come in forms of either good or bad. Uh, there are, and, and a lot of that is in how we look at it, but you can look at it from a perspective of how am I going to deal with this? Um, what is my attitude going to be? How am I going to accept this because it's inevitable? But I, I do think it's important 
to recognize that change can be uh, in a in a positive way. It could be a marriage. It could be a new birth, uh, a new home. Uh, I have a nephew right now who just bought his first house and they're expecting their first baby. Wow, that's a lot of change. That's just, that's awesome. But along with that comes the same thing we were talking about earlier, a little fear, a little intimidation, all of the things that we're not sure is going to, what's going to happen. So, you know, how are we going to deal with this? You know, you just reminded me when I was getting my graduate degree, my master's in psychology years ago, uh, there was an inventory that we would give people. And what we would look for is if a person scored 300 points, they were a likely candidate for some kind of a physical breakdown. Mm Mm-hmm. And what we were looking for were change points. So loss of a job, Mm -hmm. divorce, illness, all those things were heart attack. You know, those were big point creators. However, what you just mentioned, the positive things also created the same kind of physical potential. Yes. Marriage, graduation, yeah, exciting Promotion. things, things that we don't That's we don't right. recognize sometimes. I know that many years ago I was having a lot of problems with uh, with health health issues, and I know that they dealt uh, or that they centered around stress, how I dealt with stress, not a matter of whether or not it was going to come my way. Let's face it, we de- we do not escape it. We none of us live in a vacuum. However, the way we deal with it is something we can control. And I remember being confronted with the fact that there's, I would think, I'm not stressed, I'm not stressed, everything's great, we're having a great life. But all of those things that I thought of as positives, exciting things in our lives, are also stress producers. That was new knowledge to me. I wasn't aware of that. I just thought, as long as everything goes along smoothly and comfortably, there's no stress in your life. That's not true. And change brings on stress, whether it's good or whether it's bad. How are we going to deal with it? Now we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and let's talk about, you know, we've had things, you know, certainly I've been open on here about, you know, business crashes that we've been through, certainly unwelcome, unexpected. So it's major change. But it's also in those periods of time, just like the quotation from Steve Jobs, sometimes in those periods of time, I realized that it was a relief not to have to try to maintain something that may have been successful at one time. But that lightness of being a beginner again, you know, there's something exciting about that. There really is. Yeah. Uh, And new seasons of your life where you have, you're, you're kind of feeling like you're starting over again. That's kind of refreshing. Well, even now we have been confronted with some challenges with our County. And I've talked about that with the property that we have and them saying that we cannot have events here in our property. And further than that, they question the um, proper <laughs> properness of even having this sanctuary, this converted barn on the property. It's not really considered a residence. And because of the way it's zoned, they're saying that it's not. it's questionable whether we can get permits. And if we can't get permits then we're either going to be fined daily or bulldoze the building. So obviously that's change. That's inevitable. What has that caused us to do? Get angry. (laughs) (laughs) 
It oh, made me God. very angry. <laughs> well, it's made us to look at new options. Absolutely. Okay, so what does this how make possible? exactly what does this make possible? How are we going to deal with it? Well, along this at the same time frame when this is happening, and I do believe that it's providential in some ways, we're also having to look at what are we willing to do at this stage in our lives? Do we want to keep on with the status quo? That's a big question because that's that's something that that people deal with with change. Do they want to continue with the status quo, or might that change, uh, that change that's coming, provide some other opportunities? And so we're looking at that. Um, we're definitely trying to clear up the issue here with the sanctuary. I want to make that clear because we want this property to remain valuable. But we're looking at the possibility of, um, very strongly, as a matter of fact, of selling this piece of property that we love dearly, and um, and our home and all that we have here in Franklin, Tennessee. Love it. Have loved it for, what, 18 years now? 18 years. We've yes. never lived any place as I've, long as that? No, neither one of us have ever lived in a place this long. But my dream, of course, has always been to live near a beach. And um, and you're kind of embracing that, too, at this point. Our things have changed with our business. It's another one of those times where you've always said you're a three-year man, after that, you better make some changes or you get bored really fast. That's so right. this, uh, y- y- what you do and and what I do, both of us can do it in other places. We don't have to be confined to a specific location. So what does this make possible? So the change has forced us to look at some new options. Yes. And we're pretty excited about what those new options might be. Which brings me to a valid point, I think. What is your attitude going to be when you're dealt change? You know, uh, the the quote that you used earlier, pretty fascinating to think that um, you can get excited about a new beginning, where some people get so totally filled with fear that they become trapped, immobilized, depressed, ill, all of the kinds of things that happen to us when we are consumed with fear and um, depression and things that can happen to people who don't deal with change in with a good attitude. I, I've learned to look at it as an adventure. And that's a lot because I'm married to somebody who embraces adventure in the way that you do. And I'm thankful for that. I really am. It's been a journey and not always easy. But I recognize wholeheartedly at this point, it's a lot of our attitude. At first, I was really angry about the situation here at the sanctuary. On the other hand, it opened up new opportunities for us that now become have become quite exciting. Well, here's, here's a point. When you talk about the negative emotions that you just mentioned there, when I deal, am dealing with somebody and we're going through a coaching process and they're, they come in, they're frustrated, discouraged, depressed, angry, guilty, resentful, all those negative emotions. I know without question, they're looking at what's already happened. They're looking at the past. As soon as we get a clear sense of what we're moving to, then we see a release of boldness, optimism, enthusiasm that can only come from having a clear plan on what you're moving to. Very good point. Yeah. Yeah. So if fear is a constant, it's because you're looking at what's already happened. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've heard you say so many times, Dan, that I embrace and have told so many other people is that be most concerned 
most worried, if you want to put it that way, about things that you can control, but not so concerned and and consumed by those things you don't have control over. Say, for instance, you got fired from a, a position that you'd been in for a lot of years. Well, you know, you don't have control over that. So what do you have control over? You can have control over how what your attitude is like for going on to a new season that hopefully will be far better than what you just came out of. Well, that is a biggie. Yeah, to focus on what is it that you can control? What is it that you can't? I mean, oftentimes when dealing with somebody in a tough job situation, you know, that's where we start. You may not be able to change the company culture. You may not be able to change the the bad attitude of the boss or the CEO, but you can decide if you want to go back in tomorrow morning. So we start with the things you know you have control over and move from there. Now, we talked a little bit about, you know, personality style certainly affects how we respond to change. There are people who are much more um, strongly attracted to keeping things the same in our DISC profile. People who are high S's and C's are more likely to be attracted to keep things the same. It's worked this way for 10 years. Let's keep it the same. So change can be intimidating for people like that. Whereas people who are high D or I um, may be very, they may welcome the idea of change. They like for things to be unpredictable and move toward things maybe too impulsively. So there's certainly a, a big factor in terms of personality style. It's important our mindset. And mindset is something that we can determine. We can decide on mindset. You know, a lot of people think we're just victims. You know, well, it just is the way it is. No, we, we decide what kind of an attitude we're going to have. I mean, one of the things, and we joke about it around here because uh, the book a few years ago, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he talked about a principle about carrying your sunshine inside you. And there have been times, you know, we joke, the two of us. There have been times when I wanted to slap you when you said that. That's yes. right. You know, we get up and it's a dreary day. And I'm quick to remind you, I carry my sunshine inside me. That's kind of a personality thing, a mindset difference. But we can choose that. We really can. And if you choose the mindset that you want, then the strategies to move forward in your life become pretty predictable. Well, Pretty we easy. one of the things we've learned through the years is to look at all these different changes in our lives as new adventures. And I think that's an important concept to think about because I have known people, for instance, who have wanted to, or had made a move, a, a big move in their lives, uh, for instance, from one state to another or, some, or one community to another. And it was very hard on them and it was hard on the whole family. And we've moved a lot through the years. We And, and, and part of those moves, Dan, I know you uh, can agree with this. Many of those moves were because we couldn't afford to live where we were living yep. because we had so many money issues because of bad business decisions, whatever. Um, but learning experience, learning, they were definitely learning experiences. But one of the things that our kids always felt was that they were loved. They were secure in the fact that we were going to have a new adventure. So let's look at it with joy and go for it with gusto. And we always did. We, we did. never had gloom and doom about leaving an area because uh, strangers are just friends we haven't met yet. 
And I, I've, we've always felt that way. It's always been a new experience, a new adventure, a new excitement in our lives. I want to give our listeners two specific techniques that we have used very effectively over the years as we're wrapping things up here. One is the Ben Franklin close. Yes. That is where we have at the top of a sheet of paper a consideration. It may be where we're going to move next, what kind of business we're going to start, where we're going to go to church. It can be anything. And then you draw a line down the center of the paper. And on one side have the pros and the other side have the cons. Uh, we have used that so many times. We and have. it's very effective in helping you to really realistically look at what are the benefits and what are the deterrents for whatever the decision is that you're getting ready to make. We moved from we moved cross country from California back to this area. And in doing so, the pros and the cons. Mm -hmm. And that's why we it was easy to make the decision because the pros so far outweighed the cons of that particular decision. Mm -hmm. But we saw it on paper. So that's called the Ben Franklin close. You can use it for any kind of decision. Uh, the other thing that I want to make sure that we get in here is how we use a timeline for making decisions. So often we see people who are deciding something or confronted with the need for change. And all of a sudden, days become weeks, weeks become months, and indecision and procrastination cripple them. It's very clear in the Bible, it says, a double-minded man and un unstable in all his ways. We've seen people who have been deciding where to send a child to college. And because of the indecision that goes on and on and on, it cripples their ability to make even simple decisions in other areas. So you don't want that to happen. So in doing that, we established very early on a two-week timeline for making what may even be major decisions like moving or where to send a child to college or what church to go to or what business to start. And during that time frame, we always did a Ben Franklin. If we didn't, it was harder to make that decision. Much easier to make that decision when you've got it down in pa on paper and you, and you discuss it. Now, here's how we approach that. Here's how that two-week timeline works. Number one, establish where you are. Just assess your situation. Describe it clearly. Number two, get the advice and opinion of other people who you trust. Mm -hmm. Number three, expand so you make sure that you've got at least four or five good options. Number four, do a little bit more research. Choose which one is the best option. Number five, take action. That's a very simple formula, but we do that in a two-week period of time. Now, so for some of you, that may seem very short. For some of you, it may be long, as I described earlier. For us, it was a compromise between my desire to pull the trigger instantly on most any decision, Joanne's desire to go slowly and gather information. That has worked remarkably well for us over the years, two-week period of time. One point to bring out in that in, uh, about all of this, too, is that it's not always just this is a good place to go or this is a bad place to go. Sometimes we learned a long time ago that we were going to be blessed regardless of which decision we made because we finally took that action and we had a great attitude about it and we made it work. And I do think God blesses that. It doesn't necessarily have to be so specific. Sometimes there's more than one choice. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that, that's a great point. 
Making a decision does not mean all the other options were bad or that you will never come back to them again. Exactly. One of the, interestingly, one of the places we thought about moving years and years and years ago when we came from California was Florida. Yep. Here, all these years later, we are thinking about that again. It's and back that's on the a option good, table. Yeah, it's, it's a good possibility. Well, hey, I hope this has been encouraging to you. Times of change, as we've talked about, can be challenging, but uh, they can be exhilarating and terrifying at the same time. But if you get a clear plan for what you're moving to, rather than just looking at, at what has already happened, it can give you the optimism to move forward with confidence. Hey, thanks for being our listeners. We love engaging with your questions. Keep those coming in. Ask Dan at 48days.com. Thanks for being part of this community where we know we can create the future we want. We can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.